I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to a very belated uh, episode of Meeting of the Elders. This is a show on the Cold Popture podcast where we visit our cult elders over on our Patreon and we get their thoughts on the last uh, three episodes of the podcast that we've done. Uh, because of Richard going to the UK and then also forgetting to give me the audio uh, for the la- latest episode, Top making, of the morning it, to you. Make, <laughs> making it late, um, this is going back a little bit, but this is primarily going to be a Star Trek reflection episode and we have, as people on the video version can see, our good friend Andrew Todd in, who is a our residential Star Trek expert. Uh, residential? And- <laughs> yeah. yeah he lo- he I don't lives- fucking live with you, AJ. <laughs> yeah. You live in the same city as me, that's enough. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... We'll get to the Patreon mm. after we talk to Andrew. Andrew basically has gone through all of the episodes that we recorded on Star Trek and noted down any very sort of like finicky things we've got wrong for a good old fashioned um actually. Because if you're gonna do an um actually, you go whole hog. You know, yeah. you don't just joke about it. I like don't let's go actually get hog. into the weeds. <laughs> yeah, um, it's also um, worth yeah. noting we are standard to do this. Yeah. Unless, yes. unless you want it to be like, I was so mad at your the things you got wrong, I had to come on the episode. In which case, no, no. I'm happy to to say that that's what happened. Um, no, you you asked me to do this. Um, <laughs> I would I wouldn't voluntarily come on your podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, like most, the first well actually is is actually just what actually well actually what you just said, which is yeah. most of my comments are just kind of things that are kind of spring off little discussion points mm. from from what you talked about like there wasn't a huge amount that you got like straight up wrong or a few yes! things um <laughs> but i mean i i attribute that mostly to um richard having the wikipedia right in front of him. <laughs> um, but there are a few like interesting um mm. things where you you guys were like oh we don't this is a weird thing or we don't understand that and mm. um there's you know a whole there's a whole mm. conversation around there's, it. there's a lot of context there yeah mm. yeah um I, and i so, think con- like uh i had i had i had a segue into into oh, it oh, uh, this always happens a uh, con- mm. context probably being the main thing which is i thought that it was kind of insane that you decided to get into star trek with star trek the motion picture being your um yeah. your introduction because um or just with the movies being your introduction. Uh, You're not the first person to say this. I've had people, yeah, people have told me over the weeks we were doing it, like, yeah. how can you even understand what's going on and, and things like that? And it became one of those things where it's like, this is just what the podcast is. But mm. having it having it sort of wind up with us doing Star Trek from like the outside in almost mm. is like, 
that's interesting content in, in and of itself an interesting podcast in and of itself in a lot of ways yeah um, i mean no one complained yeah. when we did the you just the Yu-Gi-Oh movies that we didn't <laughs> yeah. have all the content because <laughs> um, you know like for the original series you're coming in and those characters have been around for 60 to 70 hours of tv mm-hmm. for next generation it's like a hundred and something hundred and yeah yeah um i should know this but i don't um We're and not so the, char- the characters not yeah the char- like the characters are all like <laughs> the characters are all like really well established at this yeah. point um and so the movies get by on a certain degree of shorthand hand. um yeah. and they do they do a little bit of work setting them up and i think actually the the thing that i came out of this trio of podcasts that you did with was um if there is an endpoint for modern audiences into star trek it's the jj abrams film mm. the first yeah, one there you go. um yeah. because that one actually does set up all the characters um yeah. because it's setting them up for a completely different audience whereas um the motion picture was kind of for the audience of the original show even though mm. it was quite a few years after mm. it was like a decade after the, the show and I've, I've, upon reflecting, like, like I've, I'm listing Star Trek the Motion Picture in my four faves on Letterboxd at the moment. I like the I Motion was, Picture. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I was so, I was so moved by it. But I think the reason I connected it with it so much is the same reason why a lot of Star Trek fans didn't like it. Like, I liked mm. being plopped into this like very abstract very moody slow paced like meditation of a film whereas from watch then i watched you know the ones that everyone likes and i was like i don't know like these feel too like insider now these feel too too cool whereas i kind of liked the weirdness of the first film yeah it's interesting because there's always this kind of tug of war conceptually about star trek movies because it is fundamentally i think a franchise that's more suited to television Mm -hmm. um because its stories are often more character driven or they're driven by ideas and they're not so much driven by spectacle um as much as they you know sometimes try to do that Mm -hmm. um and it's very suited to a show where we do a new story each week um and that doesn't work for movies which kind of have to be events um especially in that weird setting of we've done a tv show and now we're doing a movie it has to it has to like earn its yeah even even more than any other regular sci-fi movie would have to it has to earn being a movie um exactly and the motion picture i think is kind of one of the very few that doesn't that like would not work as uh a tv episode i mean you could do it as a tv episode but it would not be anywhere near as good it relies on the like you know the robert wise kind of widescreen mm-hmm. um compositions and the the doug trumbull visual effects and stuff um split it relies on that scale yeah split diopter shots all i mean it's that's just a robert wise thing before we get into the the notes and stuff i would i mm. you know just so people get your qualifications what is your oh, yeah. history with <laughs> star trek and my qualifications yeah, like, what does it mean to you this this franchise um i uh i grew up watching uh star trek the next generation my dad is a massive um trekkie as i'm sure is the case for a lot of star trek fans Mm -hmm. my age a parent being being into it um and i uh absolutely 
just like loved it as a kid. And I watched, um, I watched Star Trek Voyager religiously um, when that was on. Um, I didn't watch Deep Space Nine when I was a kid, but as an adult, that's like easily my favorite of the shows. <laughs> I, like one of my earliest memories is from un- we went to Universal Studios. And they had this attraction there that was like a live uh, stage, like Star Trek stage show. But they had, they would get like audience volunteers before, as you were queuing up to play a lot of the kind of background characters and and all of the Klingons. Yeah. Um. So they would like, they'd get people out of the queue and take them and then put them in some like real rudimentary makeup or, or Starfleet <laughs> costumes or whatever and like there was one speaking klingon who had like one line in klingon that he just said like <laughs> 10 <laughs> times or something and at the end they'd give you like a videotape of oh, yeah, yeah. of that thing and and the per- the and my dad was one of the klingons in that one that we saw and uh i wish that i could say that it was a really fond memory because i was fucking petrified the whole time <laughs> and i was like i i remember it clearly but i remember hiding behind the seats and like peering out uh because i was just so scared the tape none of the characters in the in the stage show were the characters from the the shows or the movies but when you got the videotape it like spliced in um clips from the movies That's so cool. it was like there was but like recontextualized to fit into the story that they were telling on the yeah, stage yeah, thing. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. the enterprise crew was like off to the side, also doing things. Um, <laughs> and all of those clips, like I know from that yeah, yeah, yeah. as opposed to from their original context. Cause nice. I, I wore out that tape. I tried to digitize it a while back, but the tapes just, just absolutely cooked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very sad. <laughs> uh, that was a really big, Tangent, no, that's but, great. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think as well that like you, you are, uh, I think it's fair to say a very passionate fan or like things that you're a fan of. I you, mean, you you brought on your autistic friend who's a Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to say it, no, um, <laughs> um, but that, that like it's you know when you it's not just like oh I like Star Trek. It's like I want to know everything about Star Trek. And yes, like, I like. When I when I was a kid, I had like I had a Star Trek book that was just like a Star Trek encyclopedia, mm. and I would just re- just read that. That was my that was my pleasure reading, <laughs> and I just l- would just learn and memorize <laughs> facts about, <laughs> about Star Trek. And it's just it's always been it's always been my number one. <laughs> and um, I've I there there are other you know media franchises that I like, but like none of them brings me the joy that star trek does um star trek's so diverse as well which is which is the good Mm. thing like it's it's a good um it's a good desert island pick because you've got a lot to choose from yeah at this point yeah i think the they're in a year a couple years maybe they'll if they keep going at the current rate they'll hit a thousand episodes made of star trek and have Um, you seen all of those episodes i haven't seen all of them um i've seen a real fan on (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i've seen i have there there are a bunch that i've seen like many times yeah yeah, yeah. you've watched a thousand episodes of star trek so i just I've, uh, undoubtedly i have spent at least a thousand hours watching star trek <laughs> i've probably seen star trek first contact f- fucking 25 times or more. Are, the, are the episodes that you haven't seen is are they like big big groups of episodes or is it like what's the situation there uh, like frankly it's kind of the earlier um earlier seasons of ds9 and tng that i'll just go like 
a lot of these are really dire and I'll mm. I'll skip a lot of them. Same same with Voyager. Nice. I love that we've got someone who you've just espoused like how how much you truly love Star Trek and even you are like but no, some of this I, is I, pretty I, fucking boring. I will, I will, I will, th- that's the thing though. I think part of being a Star Trek fan is is being able to be okay with the fact that like a good portion of it like kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. You were you were talking in in the podcast about you tr- you tried to watch the Cage the original unaired pilot yes. yeah, of Star Trek the original series as your way into the show <laughs> and it's like this wasn't even the pilot that they aired this was the one that was like this isn't good enough to put on television. <laughs> um, do, do you know? In my defense, though, it's Netflix's fault. I was like, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna start yeah, yeah, Star I'll... Trek. I clicked on the first Star Trek show, clicked on That's the first fair. episode, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a mistake. That sh- it should be. It should literally be the last thing that they show you <laughs> yeah. as like as like a novelty because yeah. um, yeah. not even the same characters. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like a lot of the original series and a lot of um, early TNG is like kind of dull, <laughs> and um, you know, there's a lot of episodes that are like fucking silly, and some of them are good silly, but some of them are just like kind of embarrassing. Mm. Um, and I think part of being a Star Trek fan is like learning to accept that and and like love the franchise for all of its faults yeah right. um nice. is, is and, it and, is it a fan yeah. like i know there's a lot of um you know star trek uh, uh sorry yeah. star wars and a lot of other fandoms like that where it's like no one hates star wars more than star wars fans is, like is it would you consider star trek a toxic fandom i feel like i don't hear about it being as I toxic think, as some others i think these days it's probably better than it used to be i think the fandom is probably probably by and large older yeah. now um and there's also just so much of it that like you know if you don't like discovery or whatever you can just rewatch ds9 for the 15th time or whatever <laughs> yeah, right. and and because there's been so much so much bad stuff it's like uh, fucking who cares yeah right yeah yeah i i do know i did see it popped up on my facebook feed i think um a newspaper article from when the next generation first was announced mm. And people were so mad, yeah. <laughs> or or at least the, the the selection of people that this news article decided to report on were so mad that they were doing a show that wasn't about Kirk, Spock, and Bones. Yeah, you know, it's like they're trying to replace these characters and and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the show came out and it's wildly just wildly successful. I, <laughs> like I think nowadays it's pretty uh, honestly when we get like a, a filler episode. <laughs> of star trek we're all like star trek fans are kind of like yeah this is the shit we love yeah yeah yeah. because we like these Let's weird give us, little give detours. us a boring one <laughs> yeah yeah we like these weird little detours that kind of like don't contribute to the plot but they kind of yeah. go off and explore this character or this little idea or something yeah, um yeah well andrew shit we haven't even started talking now about that people movies. now that people trust you and your star trek knowledge uh, lay it on us. What did we get wrong? And what, what other wrong? fun little facts do you have for us? Oh god, <laughs> it's mostly fun facts. Um, it's mostly like it's mostly things where you were like, "Oh, this is really interesting." I'm like, "Yeah, Star Trek fucking always does that." <laughs> so like, oh god. yeah. So starting with the motion picture, like the idea of non corporeal life forms or, or life forms that are kind of uh, outside the conventional definition of what life is mm. um you like one of you was saying like oh this thing about v'ger 
Mm. being this like new form of life it's like so so novel and so mm. such a cool sci-fi thing and it's like yeah that's something that star trek always does <laughs> um, it'll be like oh yeah this is here's this life form that's just like a cloud somewhere or like mm. that's just uh you know exists in in between the space in between atoms or something like that yeah right so right. yeah so that's another i mean it's another reason why the motion picture is is a very very star trek movie because it's 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 about this it's seeking out new life, right? And yeah, it's not yeah. just like new alien species. It's like seeking out new definitions of what life is. Nice. Um, cool. Which is also like some, something philosophically that I really like about Star Trek. I think it's inherently a very progressive uh, franchise. Yeah. Um, as as discussed a lot on on in your discussions of it. Is is there a is is there a trans character in one of the current series? I'm not sh- actually sure if if so. There's um. In Discovery, there is a character who is a trill, which is a species that um, uh, is like a joined species where there's like a symbiont little worm like that lives in the stomach of this of the humanoid host. Mm. Um, but the worm lives for like centuries and will be transplanted from host to host yeah. um, and contains the memories of the previous hosts and stuff. And that's something that was introduced uh, in the 90s and inherently kind of ha- has this kind of trans-adjacent um, yeah. concept to it. And it was certainly used in that way in Deep Space Nine, where one of the regulars was a, a Trill character and there was, um, but had previously been a, a man. And there's there's a lot of memes, like tr- like um, <laughs> trans rights memes around how that character is treated in the show and how it's like like really considerate and thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like a, this Klingon character going, Curzon, my old friend. And she's like, it's Jadzia now. And he's like, Jadzia, my old friend. And it's like, that's that easy, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but this character on Discovery is played by a uh, trans actor oh, no. uh, or no- non-binary actor. And... Uh, no, the host is a human played by a non-binary actor. The Trill character is played by a trans uh, actor. Right. Um, I think is, I'm getting that right like, around. I imagine that Star Trek isn't the kind of show that receives a lot of backlash for casting a non-binary actor and things like that. No. I, think, I mean, there's always going do, to be a small like, uh, no, like, amount of fuckwits. I think, for. yeah, there's there's all, yeah, there's always people who are like, um, usually they won't come out and say that's why they're angry. It's the you classic. know, it'll be. I just don't see like, what it had to do with the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like one of the villains. Um, a really big theatrical con esque villain was um, in in Strange New World season one was played by a trans actor as well. Oh. Um, quite a, quite a fun sort of space pirate type character. I wonder how my parents deal with watching all of this. You know, because <laughs> we know they watch star trek but i we also know they have some pretty funny <laughs> beliefs so i wonder right, right i wonder how they they grapple with with watching these shows when that just just have to just they just have to keep repeating it's only a tv show it's, it's only, only a tv, TV show. show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, these aren't historical not real. documents <laughs> yeah but they've like i mean star trek's it's it's had its share of like problematic attempts to deal with kind mm. of social i don't issues. know like what yeah social issues like the next generation had a few like pretty pretty rough episodes like very special episode kind of things yeah like there's there was an episode where like 
God, I, I haven't watched it in a while because every time it comes up, I skip it. <laughs> there's like a species that I think it's just like flipped to where like heterosexual romance or sexuality is, is outlawed on this planet. And right. it's just it's just like a real ham fisted. Yeah, like yeah. you can see there's like intent there that is like probably, you know, positive, but it's like the execution is just diabolical. <laughs> um, and it and it always involves Riker trying to sleep with someone. Um <laughs> So, yeah, it's, uh, but like, you know, they get better. And like, I don't know, this, this franchise has existed in so many decades now. And I think, yeah, like it's, it's just, it it is itself a sign of the changing times as well. Yeah. Um, Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, shit. Sorry. (laughs) Again, you, you got, yeah, you got the wrong (laughs) person on to, to keep, keep on track. Yeah. So what are we, uh, you talked about like. You talked a bit about, I think it was when uh, you got to Star Trek Four. Mm-hmm. Talked a bit about like d- the movies doing different genres, yeah, yeah, um, which is another thing that the shows do a lot. Um, like Strange New Worlds probably is the the clearest mm-hmm. which did a version of that recently, because right? yeah, they did a musical episode recently, but because that's only ten episodes a season, I suppose they used to have twenty twenty five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Each each one is like much more like this. We, this is the the we're doing the right, yeah, the, yeah. the submarine thriller episode. Yeah, we're doing yeah. the the horror episode. We're doing the the aliens riff. We're doing the vampire episode. Um, we're doing the body switch comedy um, <laughs> episode. And uh, like yeah, that's something that they've always done. And mm. and it's yeah, it's an interesting thing about the movies where there's always this this pull towards action adventure, mm. whereas like on the shows it's like we're doing a science fiction show and sometimes there'll be an action adventure episode but yeah. uh ep- episodes like the or stories like the voyage home are kind of more common uh, <laughs> in in the show than um than not which movie do you think best of the original six do you think best represents the tv show oh um in ter- in terms of like story like, or, like, well, yeah. If, if you were just like or, you could or only show like, one movie, and you were like, oh, "This is man. kind of the vibe of the show." Jeez, it's got to be because, like, Khan, in terms of isn't it? Surely that's um, the platonic Star Trek movie. Wrath of Khan's pretty close. It Wrath of Khan is is an interesting one because it was made very deliberately as a like rebuttal, a tonal rebuttal to um, yeah. the motion picture because they were like the motion picture was too slow. People you know, didn't like, even though it made a bunch of money, um, we need something that's got like a bunch of action and, um, you know, a clear villain and stuff like that. Um, I'd, 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 I'd go like somewhere between the motion picture and wrath of Khan. Like that's where star Trek lives. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Cause like the motion picture has the kind of big, big ideas and, and actually like fucking final frontier. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, it like, there's, there's a version of final frontier. I'm, in some alternate universe that is a very, very good Star Trek movie mm. that kind of does its ideas justice, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's such a diverse... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a hard question. Sorry, I keep yeah, throwing Hundreds, hundreds of episodes. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's interesting. I'm going to try and rock it through some. Some of these things are like, I could talk to you for like an hour about yeah, Klingon yeah, yeah. foreheads. <laughs> um, I think you, you asked, was there a an explanation... For it, and the, there's multiple ex- explanations which all interlock together. Uh, <laughs> yes, we talked about because I I talked about you on the episode saying yeah you told me an explanation for why Klingons in the original series 
didn't have forehead ridges. Yeah, you, you told me after after the episode came out that I'd got the explanation wrong or something. Like oh, that. you got it slightly wrong. I think you you got this the series wrong that had dealt oh, with it. Okay, um, but that's 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 minor. Right, <laughs> it's such a Star Trek fan thing to. to yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> Fun fact: the punk on the bus in Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, mm. um, who Spock gives the nerve pinch, uh, reappears in season two of Star Trek: Picard, where they go back in time to two thousand and twenty-four oh, wow. um, as an older version of that character, and uh, <laughs> like <laughs> he's got the he's can't remember how this exact scene went but um it's like he's got the music going and then one of them like one of the characters like looks at him like shoots him a look and he like immediately is like oh sorry 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 (laughs) (laughs) and he's wearing the same costume that he was wearing like 40 years earlier (laughs) bones being racist (laughs) um, uh is totally a thing and like they even nodded to it in deep space nine at one point they go back in time um and the the trill character who had the the symbiont who'd kind of lived many lifetimes one of them her her symbiont had previously known um mccoy and it was like oh yeah i knew him when he when he was uh just a med student at old miss and old miss university is like a historically like segregationist <laughs> uh university that's great <laughs> um it's it, and it's like, oh man, were you making the joke that I think you're making? You uh, I think that it's funny that all the movies are about the characters being old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, you made yeah. the point of like McCoy being uh, older, and it's um, it's interesting because like in the sh- in the t- original TV show, McCoy's just kind of like middle aged, while the others mm. are in their thirties. Mm. Um, but the the differences become a bit more pronounced as it goes on. Yeah, as everyone becomes old, he just looks even worse. You know, he just looks so. And, and he appears. <laughs> he appears in the next generation, which is set like a hundred years later. Yeah. Um, and he's like just, just so decrepit. They've like put they've put old um, DeForest Kelly in old age makeup. <laughs> <laughs> um, AJ, your Shatner impersonation is very good. Thank you so much. I never get complimented on my impersonation. I like, deliberately I, don't yeah. compliment him. Um, <laughs> on his, um, um, well, that's why you got me on. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, I appreciate you correcting AJ every time he says something fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I didn't correct him on that I should have, and because people have been mentioning it all week, is his pronunciation of Carl Urban. I was listening yeah. to the podcast. As Urban. Yeah, yeah, I say Urban. What's yeah. wrong with that? I was listening to the podcast with um, with Jess and her sister, and her sister couldn't tell what you were saying. She thought you were saying Carlo Barn, like someone named Carlo. That's Um, her problem. That's not my problem. And then, yeah, it sparked a discussion in the Discord as well. But, like, for me, just, like, AJ mispronouncing a last name... But especially like by over pronouncing it is like that's like classic AJ. I can't get in the yeah, way of that. Yeah, that's AJ the um, original series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna keep speeding through these. Um, Boston Boston Legal is a great show. Yeah. Um, and William Shatner is like super good in it. Yeah. Um, and the show like frequently made references to Star Trek in it. Like he'd whip out his phone and it would make like the communicator sound effect. <laughs> or like there was an episode where the the legal case was about some fishermen or something and they were talking about these um i don't know barnacles or something that attach to boats mm. or something like that 
and uh, James Spader goes like, they call them Klingons. <laughs> and, and Shatner goes, Klingons? <laughs> um, uh, it's such yeah, an interesting of- show because it, it has, it's dressed in the clothes of like a boring legal drama your parents yeah, watch. But but it's it so has, like, funny. Simpsons it's such a funny movie. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. Star Trek five and six came out while the next generation was on the air, mm. um, which is an interesting to think thing to think about when watching them that like people had already moved it, on. The, the di- yeah. And the differences in age, especially became mm. like really, really pronounced right. at that point. Um, Jean-Luc Picard being named Jean-Luc Picard, but being an Englishman. Oh, yeah. um, uh, so this is, this is explained in it. So in the in the next generation, he has a he has a French family, mm. like they live on a winer a vineyard in um, in France, and yeah. he goes to visit them once or twice. Um, his brother's name is Robert, but the British accent isn't actually explained until season two of Picard, oh, where oh. Um, yeah, where because um, there's an episode like quite a good episode where he has this. They go back in time and they, they find his the vineyard that's like in 2024 it's it's basically a ruin mm. and because his family moved basically the the canonical story is the Picard family fled France in World War II mm-hmm. to England and so they just became British for a few generations <laughs> and uh and so that's kind of that's kind of what happened and there's like yeah, and like the the vineyard has like all these tunnels from like it being used as a resistance base. Mm-hmm. And I'm stuff. glad. I'm um, glad there is this. There is like an explanation for this. Like I feel mm. vindicated and sniffing. It's a good explanation was, too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, it's yeah. yeah, it's meaningful. Yeah, you were confused as to why Worf was why there was a Klingon in Starfleet. Why is there a good Klingon? <laughs> why is there a good Klingon? So um at so at the end of Star Trek six they um they're hammering out these peace deals, mm. peace treaties with um, with the Klingon Empire. And basically between that, there's, again, there's like a hundred years yeah. between that and Next Generation. There are further peace accords and Worf is the first Klingon to serve in Starfleet. Right. Whoopi Goldberg's character mm. is like from a species that lives like hundreds, thousands of years, which is why she has kind of a weird vibe <laughs> um, uh of like this kind of all-knowing thing. Mm. What else we got? Have you got about uh, um, Will Wheaton not being in the movies and like what's what's Will Wheaton's deal? Uh, I'm not sure what his exact deal was because he he was in a few seasons of Next Generation and then he left. Uh, I'm not. I'm so like was he just was he not in the show anymore by that point? Yeah, I've heard a few different. He became a, a recurring guest. Right. Okay. Um, and I've heard a few different reasons as to why he left, and I don't want to like put words in his mouth. I'm sure he has explained it somewhere, um, but it was it would because he was a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so he and it was the show ran for seven seasons. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, like imagine you know spending your entire <laughs> adolescence doing a fucking TV show, <laughs> it would ruin you. But he seems pretty well adjusted, yeah. so that's probably made the right choice. In movies, yeah, he great. did the audio book for Ready Player One. He's doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. Um, he had a little cameo in Picard as well. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Um, being introduced to the next generation characters in the movies for is even more insane than being introduced <laughs> to the original series characters through the movies. Because, like, Generations came out, like, right as uh, Next Generation was ending. Mm. Um, and that show was... I cannot, I cannot stress enough how popular that show was mm-hmm. at the time. Right. You know, 
motion picture was 10 years after yeah, the yeah, show yeah. finished. And this was like, everybody knows these characters. And so you do get introduced to Data in this kind of weird, like, let's do something wacky and wild yeah, with yeah, Data yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like really out of character. And it's, it's, it's very strange. And of course, you have this thing also with movies that is different to TV shows, just in terms of format, where if you have a TV show and you have 25 episodes a season, you can afford to develop individual characters a couple episodes a season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In a movie, you kind of got like two or three main characters mm. yeah. that you can give like decent screen time to, and everyone else kind of mm. takes a back seat. I think and, like the other thing as well is that like jumping into the the original series movies you've already got like uh, that that the original series is permeated through pop culture a lot more mm. than like you go in with kind of an understanding who kirk is and who and like certainly spock kirk especially. and spock i think you're, yeah you're um yeah. and the, yeah then the next generation it's like i kind of know picard but then like even what I thought I knew was quite different from what I saw in the movies. And like, yeah, you know. I think the the thing about the next generation characters compared to the original series characters as well, is that they're much more like specific characters. Yeah. Um, like with Spock, you can go like, ah, oh, he uh, suppresses his emotions and he's all about logic. Yeah. And like, there's Kirk obviously to more fuck. to him, but Kirk just like loves to fuck <laughs> and loves to fuck up aliens. Um, and you know, there's more to him. And Bones, well. is um, Bones is racist, but it's, and, Bo- and Bones is racist and old. Um, <laughs> Scotty is Scottish. Yeah. Scottish. Scotty is Scottish. Uh, yeah, I had a I had a note there about Scottish accents as well because like uh, they've Strange New Worlds has just put Scotty on its show for the first time and and has cast the first ever Scotsman to play. <laughs> um, because uh, Jimmy Doohan was Canadian and Simon Pegg is english Jimmy Jones, um, canadian so, i didn't know that yeah wow yeah it's super canadian. like you listen to him in interviews it's so canadian wow. <laughs> yeah uh what else have we got here um yeah so the female characters get hard done by and particularly well in all of the movies yeah. really yeah uh because they inevitably end up focusing on kirk and spock picard and data yeah um which is a shame um i think it would be different if they made movies of the newer series because just the the cast have more female characters in their yeah. in more prominent roles mm-hmm. um so like it, strange new worlds i think is predominantly uh female right so was i right and or, or what's the deal because i was saying on the episode that there's like two to three main female characters in tng mm. can you give me like in the same way you were like spock represses his emotions is there like a a quick pitch line for each of these characters or are they just not really developed as as much as the male characters I can give you Troy. Uh, so Deanna Troy is um, the ship's counselor. Mm-hmm. It was a very 1990s thing to have mm-hmm. the ship's counselor on your fucking bridge of your ship. Um, <laughs> and like very, it's very like, you know, it's progressive, but it's almost like comically progressive. <laughs> um, uh, and she, and I think this is actually kind of a problematic thing and it's never really addressed. Uh, she comes from a race of like, like empaths. Yeah. Right. Um, so she can literally like sense what people are feeling. Um, so like as a, as a counselor, it's like, it's like, ah, does that like, does that verge on kind of privacy yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, issues? It's the kind of thing that on paper, it's like, oh yeah, you make a great counselor. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's like, oh, if you think about the ethics of it. <laughs> and Crusher is the ship's doctor and she probably has the least well-defined character. She like, I could not describe her to you in, 
a pithy one-liner. Oh, but we want the pith. She's like, we want the pith. Yeah, she's like, Mo, oh, the pith. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, it, she's a difficult character to describe because I think the the writers often didn't know what to do with her, and like that's yeah. well, that's like nineties, um, or she was just like the doctor. Male yeah. writers for yeah. right? Okay. What else have I got that I can speed through? Speed speed Th- run. This might be uh, well, massive actually. spoilers, I'm presuming. Shit. But what's the deal with Data coming back in Picard? Uh yeah. Can we talk uh, about that? Uh yeah. So he he appears in season one at the very end of season one yeah. of Picard in kind of like a vision. Yeah. So it's not really. It's kind of a like a digitally induced vision, mm. um, because Picard himself gets put into it android body right. at the end of that season of um that just looks identical to patrick stewart um <laughs> at age 80 or whatever yeah they're like we'll put you into an android your your body died so we'll put you into an android body that is exactly the same and will age normally <laughs> <laughs> um uh but he comes back in season three mm. um because all the characters come back in season three yeah. in the form of they go to this like uh, space station that's kind of a repository of scientific secrets, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And there is this android there that look that is Brent Spiner, and he's basically he's got the, the like the brain engrams of Data because there's kind of a hint at the end of Nemesis that they've like maybe been able to mm. like Data, Data's mind might be locked in there somewhere in mm. before. But this this character has like Data Lore, who is Data's twin brother in Next Generation, who's like the evil Data. Yes. Uh, Brent Spiner has a lot of fun. He, he's played so many fucking characters in Star Trek. <laughs> Little side note: he's also played he played the creator of Data, um, mm-hmm. and also multiple generations of that family. Yeah. <laughs> all of whom, all of whom are either like robotics engineers or genetic engineers <laughs> um, and they all look identical throughout the centuries uh, so he's he's got the he's got the 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 personalities of data lore and b4 all kind of like fighting for dominance yeah. and right so, that's so kind of his, his arc for several episodes is is like how do we get to and, and ultimately what what happens is, and this is spoilers for Picard season three is he finds like data kind of takes dominance but he sort of like takes elements from the other two and he becomes he sort of becomes the most human he's ever been right Right. because so b4 is the nemesis character b B, lore is the nemesis character b4 is the 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 childlike one that they find on the planet no sorry in nemesis the movie i don't mean so, oh, right. so Lore oh, the, yes. is the Sorry. nemesis in the sense that Lore is his nemesis. But, but this, yeah. B4 is the one that appears <laughs> as Star Trek nemesis. So is B4, yes. um, does B4 have any presence in anything other than nemesis and his his head appears his head appears in um, Picard season one in a drawer. Is literally like... That's so funny. Uh, they, they go to get um, some of Data's memories out of him. Um, and they're like... Oh uh, yeah, we keep him in this drawer. <laughs> it's wow. just like his head and a couple of limbs or something. Because yeah, because I was just thinking if this is the final thing we see of TNG and they've replaced like this beloved character and everyone yeah. hated it, you'd think it'd be like a Jar Jar Binks thing where they just quietly swept him under the rug <laughs> and acknowledged him as Yeah, no, possible. no, no. They like yeah, it was surprising actually when Picard season one aired how much they like went with stuff that happened in nemesis right. and yeah, they were that, like yeah this that is, is interesting yeah um and then yeah and then season three was like very much like a we're gonna we're gonna do 
an, a, a final season of TNG, effectively. Yeah, right. uh, and it's kind of a victory lap for those characters. Nice. Where are we on your list, Andrew? Have we got a lot Where to go? Uh, we're over halfway. Um, I want to say something, a little something about First Contact um, being a movie that hits on something that is not talked about much in the in the context of Star Trek, which is that Star Trek is a post-apocalyptic franchise. <laughs> yeah, right. True, because they talk about World War Three. Yeah, so like basically like starting next year, I think in the <laughs> in the chronology is the the second American Civil War, which it's then escalates into yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, in in um, fucking strange new worlds, they use clips from January sixth. <laughs> describe it. It's very, it's very on the nose, and that kind of escalates, and it gets wrapped up in this like whole genetic engineering eugenics thing, and then that it all a whole bunch of things come together, and there's like an, a decades long war that is fought with like nukes, mm. uh, or at least at least briefly fought with nukes, and it takes like decades forget what they call the period but like basically there's this period where basically civilization is in absolute tatters mm. um that you see kind of the tail end of in first contact right. when they go back in time and like what a baller move yeah. to go like we're doing a star trek movie we're gonna go back in time but we're not going back in time to anything familiar we're going mm. back in time to 2063 <laughs> um so like immediately immediate yeah immediately following this fucking I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today thermonuclear war um yeah and it's because like star trek is it is this like utopian society but it's like things got had to get really fucking bad before we turned around and built this society and it took centuries to build that society as well so yeah that's something that i really like about star trek that isn't really discussed much because it's kind of a downer (laughs) um uh, but it's yeah, yeah, it's just one of the... And, you know, like, the, the first warp ship is, like, they make a big deal out of, like, it's a nuclear missile. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, I didn't quite clock the significance of that when I saw it as a kid. Yeah. Um, but it hits hits a bit harder as an adult. Mm. Yeah, on uh, also a first contact thing, the whole idea of, like, the prime directive and war- developing warp drive being where you enter the, the galactic kind of society cool. is, like, such a cool thing. It's such a cool thing. And it's, and it's like, a very clear kind of a clear bar to, to to get over and it makes sense as the thing that would get you yeah. into that club I, I've, I reckon that's one of my favorite pieces of lore i've ever heard from anything mm. it's such a cool little like you know yardstick it's a great like using yeah. the the rules of the own world as well yeah yeah to, like, yeah 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 because they always had this prime directive where like if it if a civilization hasn't developed warp drive you can't interact with them mm. yeah uh, and it's only once they develop warp drive that you you go and make first contact and well and and invite them into the federation. It's so good, um, it's so great. Yeah, yeah. The 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 lower decks show uh, is set on a ship that specializes in second contact missions. <laughs> um, so, so they great. they have like the flat they have the flagship like go 
to like, you know, be like, we're the Federation and we're going to, and then this ship comes in and we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to supply you with some, some ore and some, <laughs> like, you know, uh, or just do the, like the real grunt work part of, uh, bringing you in. That's so good. I think that's, that's so funny and that's such a good idea. Uh, Jonathan Frakes as a director is an interesting one because mm-hmm. he's, he's not Robert Wise. He's, he's like, he's a director who cuts teeth doing TV, mm-hmm. um, cuts teeth doing Star Trek. Um, and he, is often hailed as like one of the best directors of Star Trek uh, by Trekkies. And the reason for that is just like, he gets it. And like, he's always, he's, you talk to any of the actors and not just the next generation actors who obviously know him really well, Mm. but like, he's apparently just really great with actors. um, And he gets great performances out of people. He can deal with a lot of different tones. He's very versatile. um, And he gets the fucking job done. Um, And you watch Thunderbirds, (laughs) you can see it. (laughs) um and like does that make for like the most um you know for a movie that has the yes and you know the most distinct cinematic identity Mm -hmm. like no but um you know i think like first contact in particular has like some really great performances and Mm -hmm. i don't know I just think it's Man, neat. It. <laughs> I just think it's neat. I like that movie. I like it. Oh, there's one thing he said that was really wrong. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> in first contact where he's like, oh, they shoot the missiles at the, at the, the warp ship, but because they're in the holodeck, they miss. I'm like, they're not in the fucking holodeck. Are they not? In- oh no, it's, it's a fake. Are they- where are they? It's, it's like, they're just, they're just, they, the missiles get fired. They're just, they're in the engineering. Um, and they fire the missiles, but Data just deliberately misses. Oh, right. Was there another thing um, where someone was in a holodeck and it was how they saved They them? do go to the holodeck in the, into the, like, 20s nightclub. Right. No. Or 40s nightclub or whatever. I wonder what, maybe I'm misremembering. Gangster thing, which is, which is we got, a recurring we thing go. from the we TV show. We got it well, actually. We finally, <laughs> we finally <laughs> yeah, got I like, to, like, yeah, a like, genuine... The- the the first thing that's like actual a correction, you just got real defensive. Yeah, what do you th- what do you fucking mean? <laughs> um, yeah, this thing that you asked me. To yeah. I think we're done with next generation. Uh, other than like I like what I said about Data as a character being introduced as doing really out of character mm. things is kind of similar to P- Picard as a character because like in the mm. movies he's he kind of transforms into this action hero. Oh, is that not bit. how he is on the show? <laughs> Fuck no. Oh He's God, like that's a so diplomat's diplomat mm. wow. in the TV show. He is like all about like, we're going to discuss the philosophy and the ethics of every situation ad nauseum. Cause he, um, he's he is, good... he is the captain. He is the captain who will out talk mm. uh, yeah, yeah, and right. out negotiate anyone. Whereas Kirk just out fucks them. He, he, yeah. Kirk just, yeah. He's looking pretty good in first contact when he's like, Oh, he looks yeah. around, like getting out of the way of the, the weird evil yeah, substance yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Home stretch now. Uh, so the, I don't, I don't have that much to say about the Abrams. Pretty much everything I have to say about the Abrams films is about fucking into darkness. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so, so um, this is actually a great, a great time to bring all that up then, because on the episode, I basically said, uh, if you think this movie yeah. is bad, it's because you, you're a Star Trek nerd. Mm. Well, yeah, I think that, yeah, there's definitely some of my dislike of it is because of, I don't know, misappropriation of mm-hmm. Star Trek mm-hmm. um, stuff. Like, the, and I think it's just, like, and I think it's honestly, it is the, it's the same shit that got pulled in um, The Rise of Skywalker, mm. where it's like, you know, the, uh, my name is Khan, is like the same as, like, you're a Palpatine, <clears throat> like, 
it's just like it, it's empty like it yeah, doesn't it fucking mean anything yeah, yeah. to the characters you know and also it does it's not like benedict cumberbatch is like playing a he's not really playing classic khan as well he's just playing a no no character. here's the interesting thing khan, khan's full name is khan noonien singh mm. And I'm going to go on a tangent from this tangent. Um, the creator of Data, his character's name is Nunian Sung. <laughs> and they're both named after the same, like, this guy that Gene Roddenberry, like, served with in the military. Um, and he just, like, named so, two characters. I probably felt bad naming, Singh, like, a villain after him. So he's like, I'll name a yeah. guy after you, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Khan Nunian Singh, like, Singh is, a, is an Indian name mm. or South Asian name. And uh, it wasn't until like this year that uh they had a south asian actor play that character wow because it was previously ricardo montalban and then the whitest person in the universe <laughs> cumberbatch yeah the other thing about into darkness that like really rankles me is that i i can't remember which writer i think it was bob orkey probably um or orsi or have because it has a couple credited writers but he in the course of um Writing that in the course of production of that movie, he was active on, I think it was, it might've been a Star Trek board or it might've been some other board, but it came out that he was basically like a massive 9-11 truther. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the movie is like that. That's what the movie's about. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, And so like, it's this movie about terrorism and like, it's an inside job. Yeah. It is an inside <laughs> That's job. That's sort of thing. And ah. so it's like this really gross feeling ah, watching it. Um, knowing that it's like this guy kind of, it's like, is he trying to do a psyop on the audience to <laughs> think that 9-11 was an inside job? Wow. It's, it's wild shit. You said something that was interesting about like the aliens in the Abrams films. Mm. About being like, it's like, oh, this is the stuff they wanted to do, but couldn't afford to do. Yeah. yeah on the yeah, TV yeah. shows. Um, the same is true of the animated series. Oh, yeah. Like that. So the animated series that had all the original yeah, cast yeah, yeah. on it, uh, a lot of the writers were the same as well. And they basically were like, we can do all of the stories that we wanted to do on the original series, but because it's animated, we can do all these like crazy alien things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the animation was still super cheap, but it's like, it's, it's, <laughs> It's it's not significantly more expensive to animate a crazy alien than it is to animate a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess that's good because we were sort of wondering. It's like, is this does this yeah. go against the lo-fi thing that he was going for? But yeah, like the animated series is a perfect answer to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like um, the the modern TV shows have more aliens in yeah, them yeah. as well. Like um, Doug Jones. I, plays did, I didn't an necessarily alien just mean the aliens are bigger. I mean like Discovery. there's space battles and shit and. The oh yeah oh yeah of course that, yeah yeah that, like look incredible and i can't imagine they didn't look like that in the other star trek movies so no um but I'll, I'll tell you what the 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 shows now look like that That's yeah, right. That's um good. the the yeah the i don't know the cost effectiveness of visual effects has, mm. has come so far mm. um the the, sh- the sh- like strange new worlds just looks it's such a good looking show mm. And the only other, ah, uh, yeah, we sort of touched on this, but like Star Trek versus Star Wars in terms of cinema mm. and cinematic language and, and JJ Abrams in particular, you know, wanting to make Star Wars. Mm. Um, it kind of goes to that same, that same thing of like, what is a Star Trek movie and yeah. like, how does it earn being a movie? Mm. Um, and then like beyond you mentioned, it feels more like an episode. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
of a TV show. It's got like a smaller scale and the first half of it in particular is very like we're on an alien planet and we're splitting up yeah. into teams. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that is part of why a lot of uh, fans really warmed to that movie. Yeah. Interesting. What, what, do you, um, what do you think of the J.J. Abrams clearly wanted to make a Star, Star Wars movie criticism? I think that... Uh, so when it came out, Star Trek had been off the air for five or six years. Mm. And um, prior to that, there had always been multiple Star Trek shows on the air for a decade. Yeah, right. And so it was like an unbelievably long time, five <laughs> years, which seems like nothing now, where there was just no Star Trek. And so like, I think most, a lot of people were just like, including me, just very excited yeah. to have Star Trek back. And it was like, if this is what we have to, if it has to be kind of this big action movie in order for that to happen, that's fine. Mm. And I think for the 2009 one, the casting was just so fucking yeah. good that um, it was just like, oh, wow, we get like new life breathed into these characters. And I didn't really mind it. I think Into Darkness is where it's the just the nature of the plot being this kind of like dark, gritty. Mm. Uh, yeah, 9-11 was an inside job movie. <laughs> um, just it didn't feel it didn't feel like Star Trek. It didn't yeah, feel right. like like what are the ideas we're exploring here? Yeah, the, right. the government wants to fucking kill you like yeah, yeah. come on like that's not that's yeah come on hey the government is above reproach there what what is the what is the the star federation whatever it's called are they good guys or bad guys generally the united federation of planets uh so that's that's a ooh, that's an interesting question so what that's sort of what that's <laughs> um, the generally generally good guys generally good guys so yeah it's basically while gene ronberry was alive like unambiguously good guys yeah um, it's so interesting in, from a writer's perspective, though, isn't it, to make them corrupt? Yes, isn't it? And so, 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 Deep Space Nine, like Deep Space Nine, that was kind of the whole deal of Deep Space right. Nine. Is like, it's like you've built this utopia. What are you going to do to maintain? What do you? What will you be driven to do yeah. to mm. protect it? Nice. And it's so good because nice. because like because the ser- the series has this like ongoing arc about this kind of like evil like evil conquering version of the federation from a different part of the galaxy that kind of comes in called the dominion and so there's this war that goes on for several of the the last several seasons of the show uh it's also the first star trek show to really get into serialized storytelling in any sort of way and yeah it's got like plot lines about like there's this sort of black ops scientific research division of the federation that develops a biological weapon to use against their enemies and and it's like what does that mean to us there's an there's an incredible episode where captain cisco um engages in like subterfuge and and forgery and murder in order to bring the romulans into war into the war on their side and yeah it's like what at what cost to your soul Mm. you know are you are you willing to to go to to to, main, to maintain this perfect society yeah, that you've yeah, built. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite, it's crushing a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the things that we gave you as homework when we asked you to come on mm, the show yeah. was to cast a, a Kelvin <clears throat> Timeline Next Generation cast. Did you do that? Well, you didn't say Kelvin Timeline. You said like an equivalent sure. like reboot. Yeah. So I don't know if it's Kelvin... I did. Cool. Um, I've got some names. Cool. I got some names for you. Let's do it. Um, so Picard, unfortunately, the 
probably the two best options from Picard have already played young uh, Patrick Stewart, um, which would be James McAvoy and Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh, but I, for Picard, I've got uh, Patty Considine. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That, what, some of, what, yeah. What some of there? these are like, so like, I'm not, so I've got, a, I had a bunch of names and I'm like, like, I don't really give a fuck about, I'm not one of these people who is like, I'm recasting, I'm just going to cast someone who's like going to look no, like of them. Course not, yeah. I want to cast someone who I think can capture some of the essence of that character, but also bring something new to yeah, it. Yeah. And like, like, who else do I have? I had like, I was looking at actors in the age. So like Picard, when the show started, mm. uh, Patrick Stewart was 47. The character was 59, which must have felt really shitty for Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of looking in like late 40s. Mm. Yeah. Um, early early 50s, I guess. And uh, like I had some other, like Joseph Fiennes was on my list. Christopher Eccleston was oh, a possibility. Joseph Fiennes is such a good cool dude i i i can totally yeah that's that's my new favorite pick that's better than my barry Keegan um pick right because he's old enough for it as well he could you know older than barry keegan is the the person i really want to see play picard but is it would be a terrible choice is matt barry (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah patty constantine i was like there we go there's a i don't know patty patty constantine's just got like a different kind of energy to him that i'm like i would really want to see him play like a patty constantine version of the nice, character nice who, who else we got uh for Riker, i've got um my favorite actor to fan cast in anything yourself uh uh dan stevens oh, oh yeah what a good what genius of course dan stevens plays Riker. great all right let's keep going what's the next one yeah yeah uh for data i've got jonathan groff ah Andrew, you're so good at this. You're so good. This is we do this on on the podcast a lot, and this is you're a natural at this kind of thing. I was like, I was like, jo- it's Jonathan Groff or Ben Platt. Yeah, yeah. Like right. it has to be one of yeah. these Broadway yeah. fucking yeah. like like creamy Broadway. White <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, but Jonathan Groff would fucking smash yeah, it. Yeah. All right, who have I got next? Uh. For Jordy, I've got Justice Smith. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, from the Dungeons and Dragons movie and Pokemon Detective yeah, Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy in the by the time of the movies, he's sort of like aged up a bit, but in the show, he's like quite a young right. character. Certainly at the start of the show, and uh, yeah, like I think Justice Smith is a good actor, and mm-hmm. I think he he could he could rock the the visor. <laughs> For Worf, uh, Winston Duke. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Nice. For the female characters who you weren't, well, you'll have no idea what they're even like. For Counselor Troy, I'm. Uh, is the term race bending? Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've got Dominique Tipper. Okay, I'm unfamiliar. Um, I'll look her up. From uh, she's from The Expanse. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, that's what I know her from. Uh, it would be Dominique Tipper or Jesse Buckley. Oh yeah. Oh, Jesse Buckley and a Star Trek movie makes a lot of sense to me i reckon but yeah nice uh and for crusher i've got i've got two options that i'm i was i was like either Catherine waterston mm-hmm. or anna torv nice oh yeah yeah um i see it uh and i didn't cast i didn't cast wesley crusher because uh you can't replace her that's will wheaton I, I i, I yeah. would i would just cast will wheaton yeah. um 
in that f- like 14 year old role mm-hmm. um and just you know we've seen we've seen what the technology can do on the star wars shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah but you know like if if you were actually genuinely casting that that would be the the role that you're just like no we're just throwing auditions open and yeah, we just yeah. get, get some, some kid whoever who are, yeah um Another but yeah that's that's option. my cast cool that's awesome dude i'm very impressed and it's exactly what i was hoping you were gonna bring to the table i think Dan yeah Stevens i think i'm happiest so good. yeah 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 i had a bunch of like americans and then i was like oh i'll look at like english actors and i was like dan Steve- dan stevens yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> like i be- i believe that anyone in the universe would want to bang dan stevens <laughs> and that that's the that's the crucial thing for Riker. nice nice well, um, we are going to move to our Patreon messages now. Andrew, we will not uh, force you to stay and listen to people talking for eight minutes. People we love who are paying us money to do this. Uh, we'll let you go because you're not receiving a dime of this. So, <laughs> Yes, that's that's good. I also need to eat dinner. Sweet as. So, uh what, I have, that was I have so much one fun. last question oh, you've, about you've, Star yep. Trek. The, the, it's referenced that the there's no money in the. If you, oh, how does the yeah. economy so, work? So this is something. One last question. If I was doing how my, does the economy if I was doing, <laughs> how, yeah. So if I was doing my continue the franchise, <laughs> there's this period in Star Trek between the undiscovered country and the next generation that hasn't really been explored at oh, all. Um, and it is. It is in the next generation that this idea of like we don't have money anymore um, first came up, and so it's kind of just assumed that at some point in that century or so there was some kind of big social mm. uh, upheaval where they were like, you know what, like fuck currency, <laughs> fuck capitalism, because um, they still they still have references to like credits and stuff yeah, right. in uh, the the TOS era. I don't know how it works exactly. It's my assumption is there's some sort of like UBI system. I don't think they use like a bartering system or anything like that. Like there's still people who like, like Spence, Captain Cisco's dad runs a restaurant and stuff. And like people still have jobs, mm. but it seems more like people do what they do it for the things because it. they're motivated to. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm sure all of the, the people who get up in arms about UBIs will be like, yeah, but what about people who take out the garbage? They'll never do it. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, like, uh um I don't know how it works but yeah. um uh like that that is a story that I would love to see told or yeah. or to, but yeah that's fascinating you know. that there's that whole area that's unexplored for a, for yeah. that has it's called it's called the 11 it's, there's some shopping. there's some there's some non-canonical uh, canonical uh novels mm. called the lost era right. which kind of take place in that period but they yeah I'm just <laughs> they kind of tell war stories and stuff and i'm like no tell me tell me how they get rid of capitalism <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. nice like it seems seems like such a such a star trek yeah, thing yeah, to yeah. tell a story about mm. um like i would i'd love to see that so thanks for asking that question it gave me an opportunity to talk about dismantling uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh seizing the the means of production so. <laughs> 
Okay, thank you so much, Andrew. It's back with just the boys, the two boys now. <laughs> uh, and we're going to go through some correspondence. So firstly, we've got one message in the in the Discord from Cheese. So I'll read that out and then we'll listen to the voice notes. Mm-hmm. So uh, Cheese says, original series. This is, of course, talking about Star Trek still. Original series. Very little experience with this other than memes. I remember watching the worst fight ever, which was Kirk against some monster on a barren planet. And it was real bad have you guys seen that it's very funny parents were never really trick fans really i've not seen it but it sounds i think i, I am, may I have seen it. yeah yeah well nothing gets past you richard so you'll have seen it is that a dig <laughs> no it's not a dig it was a compliment <laughs> Uh, Star Trek TNG I remember watching some of these as well as one or two of the movies I think I got into it but now I don't really recollect very much about it I do think that just watching the movies you lose a lot of the character and depth and universe 100% it was a terrible way to consume the next generation mm. I reckon as we've just it, learned it's, we su- the next generation suffered a lot more than the original series Absolutely, I think yeah. because from just watching the movies um, and they say Calvin I enjoyed the first one when I saw it I thought it did a great job of rebooting the series and was also very funny Into Darkness I thought was fine I have no idea if I saw Beyond or not I, I liked the cast quite a bit I think doing a TNG version is a really interesting and cool idea I didn't have much to say about Star Trek but can each of you make up or guess the plot of an episode of OG or TNG that would be fun alright Richard there is an episode of Star Trek where the gang go down to a planet that is inhabited entirely with uh, inhabitants that look like Patrick Stewart and are mm. all played by Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And they're like, what's going on? And the, the, the reveal is that it, it involves some kind of like great distance time travel in which Patrick Stewart, in which Picard like dropped something into the primordial ooze that right you know, a, load. A, hair, a hair follicle a load he jacked <laughs> off into the primordial ooze um uh my one is an episode of tng and they go down to this planet and it is inhabited entirely by naked ladies and mm. of course patrick stewart he's seen everything he's um, seen they everything. try to cover two, up but two he... of them are sort of kissing and... <laughs> um yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the, what Andrew said about how that they, they deal with certain different genres and things like that. Like, mm. I, I'm, i much more, like the, the, the way he described, um, uh, Strange New Worlds is almost like community kind of thing. Mm. That it's mm. like, oh, they're yeah. doing a genre parody this week. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. Um, sorry, I don't have a more serious answer. No, that's all good. We have some voice messages we're going to get through now. The first one is um, from Vinny. It's called The Search for Cock. Oops, VLC just crashed. Would you like to restart it? Wow. Yes, and can we do can we do it quickly, guys? Thank you. <laughs> okay, alrighty, I'm ready to play. Are you? Yeah, sure I am. All right, three, two, one. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Vinny here. My relationship with Star Trek is that I only care for the Kelvin timeline. I watched the first one, loved it, 
Watched Into Darkness, really, really liked it. Watched Beyond, really, really, really liked it. And now, I don't care about anything else. The reason I am here is because in between the release of Star Trek 2009 and Into Darkness was an in-canon video game adaptation simply called Star Trek, released on the PS3, 360, and PC on April 23rd, 2013. So the month before the wide release of Into Darkness. Developed by Digital Extremes and published by Bandai Namco of all people, It's described as an action-adventure third-person shooter with not co-op, but bro-op. It released to a Metacritic of 45 out of 100. Let me tell you the premise of this. There is this technical facility at New Vulcan that is developing new technology to help the Vulcans, you know, prosper. There is this terraforming device that they created, but unfortunately, the evil alien race, the Gorn, has taken this device and it's threatening to ruin planet upon planet to make more Gorn planets. So it's up to Kirk and Spock to save the day. Shockingly, the main crew are all in this game. It's the likenesses, it's the voices. You got Kirk, you got Spock, you got Bones, you got Scotty, you got Chekhov, you got Ahura, Sulu, everyone is actually there. Now the performances, everyone sounds bored. I mean, Simon Pegg does his best to like sound funny. Apparently he did the most improv with his scenes. The most horrific thing about this game are just the animations of the face. Either it's too stilted and there's barely any emotions, or halfway through a conversation, their jaw unhinges and they say stuff with really big jaw movements, and it's horrific. Aside from that, this is just a not-special third-person shooter with you controlling either Kirk or Spock. Now, they say the differences on it are Kirk is more shooter-focused, phaser with stun settings, while Spock is more stealth-focused. He can Vulcan nerve pinch and mind meld you, and he can freeze enemies. Gameplay-wise, not really. I mean, Kirk can also do stealth stuff, and the only thing he can't do is, like, the mind melds which you use to, like, solve puzzles. There isn't really that much of a difference between which character you choose to play as. Creators of this game toted as how they made the script and then took a lot of notes from Kurtzman, Orsi, and Lindelof. What they failed to mention is after that first meeting, Kurtzman, Orsi, and Lindelof just stepped away and didn't want to help anymore. (laughs) Playing the game, it's very much a cover shooter of, hey, we're at this section, go say blah blah blah, oh there's enemies, cover shooter, go down, come back up, shoot, shoot. There isn't really anything special about it, which I'm not surprised by, as in this is a quick cash grab to make the brand more strong, even though this ultimately did hurt the brand. I'll get to that in a second. Weapons-wise, you have your phaser. You can either have it to stun or kill. Stunning just, like, freezes the enemy in time so you can run up and melee them and knock them out, and then kill is it does actual damage. There's this whole subplot about a virus from the Gorn where it makes people go crazy, and that's the main premise where they attack other places and they give it to like the local um, residents of the planets and then that's why they're going crazy and attacking Kirk and Spock and there isn't really any penalty when you kill a Starfleet person when they're like part of the craze and they're part of the enemy Spock just goes uh captain you should have done that let's try and have more self-control next time but there's like no penalty like gameplay wise like it doesn't stop me it doesn't say oh friendly fire I, like restart the level i killed a lot of starfleet people because it's annoying the waves of enemies sometimes sometimes it's a very easy room where it's like one or two enemies bam bam i'm going through other times i have enemies literally spawning right in front of me and just assaulting me non-stop and i die this game is glitchy as all hell i had multiple instances where spock 
would lean forward like a smooth criminal Michael Jackson move. And two times he would just do that for a little bit and then like straighten himself out. One time, however, he was completely stuck in that part and I had to reload the last checkpoint. Enemies were shooting at me through walls, but yet I can't shoot back through the walls to hurt them. There is Enterprise gameplay for like two sections where it's just simple like, oh, shoot, you're following them. Just shoot the debris they're shooting at you and then save up enough ammo to do a, a big torpedo attack that was kind of clunky there's wingsuit gameplay where it's just you going down a crevice or going in between ship to ship trying to avoid debris some of those were easy some of those were bullshit where it would just spawn debris on front of you and i died instantly i had to restart it again there was this cool section where it was kind of like portal where kirk and spock have these mini uh, teleporter guns where they shoot each other and then shoot a place on the other end of the room to shoot to teleport them it was kind of cool for a little bit but then Spock just kept like glitching out for me because I played as Kirk mostly so there's no real difference so I would just teleport Spock and then he's supposed to like shoot at me and then teleport me to him Half the time, he would just stand there jogging in place until finally he did the thing where he teleported me to him. There's a moment where I think this is supposed to be funny where Kirk doesn't remember Keenzer's name. Like, there's a part where Scotty's like, oh, you gotta go find him. He's in the, he's in the engines. He's being trapped. So then you go find him. And then, uh, you know, there's this big, like, shootout, a big room, and he's hiding in the corner. Then a cutscene plays where Kirk goes, ah, crewman, I'm glad you're safe. Then a second later, Scotty comes in and be like, Keenzer, you're okay. And then after that is when Kirk calls him Keenzer. So it's like, did he fucking forget Keenzer's name? And then now that he heard, he's like, oh, yeah, Keenzer, I knew that was your fucking name. The final fight is nothing. It's just a generic bigger (laughs) enemy at the end cover shooter blam blam and here's the thing i didn't see it die because the way the cutscenes play out is whatever player you're playing as you see their cutscenes so at the final point after you get rid of enough um health for the final boss it's that final boss has a friend of spock like capture and you gotta take him down and then get get out before the, the place blows up yada yada so because i was playing kirk it was this thing where i as kirk go to save spock's friend whereas spock goes to deliver the final blow so the final cutscene i got was kirk unshackling spock's friend then they both run out before the place explodes the game ends with everyone going huh wasn't that fucking crazy yeah yeah oh look we got a new assignment gotta go to a planet nibiru which is the beginning planet of Into Darkness. So this is specifically set right before Into Darkness starts. So, well, yeah, as I stated before, this game came out in Japan, as in glitchy, not special, and all that. At the press event for the Blu-ray and DVD release of Into Darkness, this is what J.J. Abrams had to say about the game. The video game was a disappointment. It was something we were actually involved with at the very beginning, and then we realized it was not going to go how we wanted it to go, so we dropped out, but they still continued to make it. The video game could have been a part of this larger, more multimedia universe that helped the series, but instead, it emotionally hurt me because we were working our asses off making the movie Into Darkness, and then the game came out and got universally panned, and I think without question, that was a factor that did not help the movie. And then J.J. Abrams totes how he's currently in talks with Valve to for Portal and Half-Life projects. So ends another tale of a non-special license game. It's a good thing license games have died. Unfortunately, I'm still here because I get some enjoyment out of playing shitty games, and I'll happily do that for you all. Take care. Vinny, it's a whole podcast concept that you're squeezing into our podcast, buddy. You should start your own show. That, that Well, you, have, you, you do have a show, but it's not 
not that subject i think it's fascinating i i'm sure i've shouted out mini me every time Vinny tells us about mm. um one of these but check out the youtube channel mini me who just just uploaded a video today actually on the the classic ps2 rampage clone war of the monsters which i've played recently actually it was pretty cool mm. it's on ps5 remastered for ps5 at the moment i really like um, the idea of kirk and spock being the like stealth and action because i like yeah, yeah. i think that that's a thing that you're quite a fan of and have talked about and if you continue the franchises is the idea that like each character having their own skill set is like mm. something you're a big fan of right yeah i like that and i think it's stupid when it's just interchangeable because it's like who cares who you play as in ctr if they if you can change their engines you know <laughs> I, well i agree i like i think yeah you shouldn't be stuck playing as a character you don't like because they have an engine that's cooler hmm. and but i'm saying vice versa like i don't know like i think that there's a <clears throat> the, the i i'm not i like cosmetic stuff in games but it kind of bums me out when all it is is cosmetic you know i think like new skins and stuff should should give you other stuff to you know even Mm. just a little improvement like in spider-man don't the suits all do something different or something like that uh they do but you can what like when you unlock a suit it comes with like a power that's like the go-to power for that one and you can equip that power to any suit once you've unlocked both Uh, okay yeah Eh, whatever Oh well, oh well, that was great. Thank you so much, Vinny. We've got one final yeah, like, message I, I here. I love that we just have we have now have all these people that do like as much as if not more work than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got Vinny playing games and Rachel reading books and Dan. He's just he's just Dan. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna play it in three, two, one. Aloha also means hello. This is Dan from Hawaii calling in from Kaka'ako on the island of Oahu. I am here to talk about one thing only, and that is Star Trek 2009. (laughs) First things first, I want to say that I enjoyed the Kelvin episode. I didn't listen to the previous uh, two episodes on Star Trek because I haven't watched the movies yet, and I want to dedicate a lot of time to watch the show and the films. Uh, so you'll hear from me maybe a year from now in a cold elder segment for, mm-hmm. for, uh, September 2024 about them. But for now, I want to talk about my unique movie experience with Star Trek. I went to see it with my dad. And we went, we had, uh, we had an okay time. Uh, we really liked the movie, but, uh, Nothing will compare to the first 10 minutes. You know, the first 10 minutes opens with that, that, that really grand space fight. It's just so enthralling. But the best thing about it is they fucked up our screening and it was playing a complete silence for the first few minutes. And for a long time, we were sure it was an artistic choice. Like for a solid minute, we're like, okay, all right. Yeah, going real, okay, all right. And then it got to the parts inside the ship and there was talking and there was absolutely nothing. And the audience actually got into it where the audience started to like riff the movie and actually start to fill in for the dialogue. And we're pretty, they're pretty good at it too. Everyone's chiming in from all over the theater, like, you know, like, oh, they're attacking us. And my favorite was when the, uh, well, I forget what it's fucking called, but the, you know, the video screen comes in and, and the bad guy, you know, appears and someone just chimed in, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> It was great. It was great. I just want to share that, and I want to thank you for your hard work. I know it's been hard uh, doing all these Star Trek movies. You bit off a little bit more, you can chew. I'm excited for the next 
episode about what is it again? What? Why am I blanking? Oh, butterfly effect. I didn't watch the movie, uh, so I'm not part of the camp that thought it was good. I'm of the camp that probably thought it wasn't going to be good. And I find it interesting that it lost that MTV Movie Award uh, to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I think is, I mean, is it wrong of me to think that's a comparable casting choice to cast Jim Carrey in a serious role <laughs> uh, versus casting Ashton Kutcher? I feel like Ashton Kutcher and Jim Carrey, like, is that is that weird? Like, they're both like, I don't know, that was kind of like casting against type. I don't know. Now I'm talking out of my ass, out of my Hawaiian ass. Who knows? Uh, no, I'm not a Hawaiian. I don't have a Hawaiian ass. I have a really white ass. Nope, no, that's even weirder. I don't. I should just. I, I should really take one more take of this. But fuck it, I'm running out of time. Anyway, uh, aloha. Also means goodbye. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. Um, a very interesting question that's spinning around my mind is. Are Ashton Kutcher and Jim Carrey contemporaries? Are they comparable actors? Because mm. I would feel, I feel like Jim Carrey's a much bigger deal than Ashton Kutcher. Oh yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm. it is. Um, it's funny that so we because of the completely out of our control issues that led to the delay of the Calvin timeline episode. Mm. Um, we rolled an Ashton Kutcher franchise before there was any controversy about Ashton Kutcher. And yeah, then yeah. by the time it came out, it was weird for us to not mention it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Shelf mentioning it now, gone. that's weird. Mm. Mm. Well, Richard, that brings us to the end of what's got to be our longest meeting of the elders yet. But also I'll, like I'll our shortest a... meeting of the elders segment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you a meeting adjourned as we carry on our way. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider following Cold Popshire on Instagram and Twitter. You can also join our Discord and donate to our Patreon where you get lots of cool things, including the post credit scene, which is coming at you after this music ends. Thank you so much to all the cult elders and everyone else everyone else andrew for appearing on the episode uh, and we'll see you next week with a butterfly effect episode thanks so much welcome along to the cold uh, what is it called the be, the post credit scene uh, a segment of the episode where we uh where if you donate five dollars or more over at patreon.com slash cole you get to give us something to talk about in this post credit scene richard who's it from and what is it this one comes to us from vincent debiasi uh, um i don't know if i'm saying that right sorry vincent but the debussy would you rather that always comes up in my friend group would you rather eat a burger made of human meat or have sex with a corpse Jesus Christ. I, I Some, would, we need to vet these questions sometimes, I think. I would go the burger. I would go the burger too. Yeah. I think it makes you less of a creep. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, like if you found out your friend ate human meat, there's, yeah. there's circumstances you where you them. would be like, oh, that's, you, you know, like, oh, well, like, how did that happen? Oh, that's kind of mysterious. That's kind of edgy. If you find out someone had sex with a corpse, there's no circumstances in which there's you'd no be like, gray that's area a cool thing there. to do. Yeah, I agree. So there's your answer, um, Debussy. It is uh, the human meat option, without a question. <laughs> without, without question. In fact, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cut.